Steve and Justin use YCharts for their winning investment research. So start your free trial now. And if you purchase, mention InvestTalk and get a generous discount at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, February 25th, 2019 edition of Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and I thank you for joining me on this Monday, and I hope you also uh, call me with your investing questions. I want to hear from you. There's no requirement that you call, but when you do participate in our ongoing Q&A exercise, you can shape the show to your liking. And maybe what I talk about isn't what you want to listen to. Remember, our goal on Invest Talk is to help you achieve your financial freedom. So addressing the questions and problems that you specifically have will get you further along in that goal. And if you bring those topics to the show, not only will you help yourself, but it'll you'll help a lot of uh, similar investors like you. And it will help you become a better investor and will keep along our philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. That's our philosophy on InvestTalk. That's our philosophy at KPP Financial. So the big question is, what is financial freedom? When you think about it, financial freedom is defined by each person their own particular way. And it takes hard work, uh, different types of work depending on different people. Some want to get to a point where they can travel the world and live very independent. And spend $20,000 a month and it's not a big deal. Others, okay, spending just a few thousand a month and spending time with their family and not traveling very much, okay? So everybody's journey is different. Your gaps in your knowledge are going to be different than the gaps of knowledge from other people, right? So today in this hour, I'm going to do my best to help you get to your own financial freedom one step at a time. And along the way, I hope you will participate by calling with your finance and investing questions. Our anytime listener line is open right now. So I'm taking your calls live at 888-989-CHART. That's 888-992-4278. I encourage all of you to get your call in sooner rather than later. Well, let's take a look, quick look at what's, what's been going on in the markets. Well, obviously, the Chinese trade talks uh, were in the news today. Uh, Trump might push off the deadline of Friday of this week a little farther because he thinks there's been some progress. Now, that could just be jawboning. might be. It might be more substantive. We'll see. But the bottom line is... It's not going poorly. Now, how much of that is priced into the market? I would say a lot of it. Um, you know, buy the rumor, sell the news type of thing. I think a lot of buying that rumor has been part of the reason the markets rallied. 
Another big piece of news today was GE, and I'm sure a lot of you are interested because we get a lot of calls about GE. Should I buy GE? GE was up nicely today. Now, they sold their, I think it was their biotech division, yeah, biotechnology business to Danaher Corporation. And Danaher is one of the larger industrial names, similar uh, to GE. Actually, the new CEO of GE used to work at Danaher. And Danaher actually is a great underrated long-term stock. If you look at your long-term holds, it's going to be very cyclical, right? It's industrial, but Danaher has a long, strong track record of uh, uh, of good uh, metrics, etc. It's always on our list for potential stocks to buy. But nonetheless, GE is a great name, uh, 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 unloading some of their business to deal with their debts. You know, uh, now does this get them out of purgatory I don't think so I think this is a nice step 21 billion dollars in cash infusion is something they need I think they have roughly 80 billion dollars in debt so this gets them about a quarter of the way through that debt that they're that, that, that they've built up over the years now they're also going to lose some revenue and earnings and cash flow because they're selling a large part of their business but they can use that to get their balance sheet on a much sounder financial footing. So it's a nice solid step to G for GE to get out of their debt-laden uh, balance sheet that they're in right now. And uh, we'll see where it goes from here. It's not a, to me saying, oh, I need to buy GE yet. But it's a good first big step to getting where they need to be, which is transforming the business into something that is more sustainable and less, with less debt. And then lastly, the 91st Oscars were televised last night. Uh, Roma won Best Director, which is actually a Netflix show, which I think is pretty interesting. And it's produced for only a budget of $15 million, which is kind of different. But I think what was most interesting about the Oscars was that ratings were at an all-time low. 56 million viewers and this year's telecast showed a modest 6% increase in advertise, advertiser coveted 18 to 49-year-old demographic. But for 2019, the believed 28 million viewers is still the second smallest audience of modern times, at least going back to 1974, according to Nielsen. So in general, ratings for the Oscars are dropping. Okay, so to that last year was the lowest ratings of all time. This year was a slight increase, but still the low, second lowest of all time. Uh, and what I think is, it just shows that these big networks don't understand how irrelevant they are. They are. They're becoming more and more irrelevant throughout the years. You could say, okay, you had an increase, a nice little bump, but... You know, no downtrend isn't without their little rallies. Look at where the rally we're seeing in the, the, the stock market right now. Okay. So if you understand the industry, you'll know that younger audiences continue to watch network television a lot less. That's why you see the downtrend in a lot of these legacy network stocks, ne legacy network companies, because things are just changing. The world's changing. You don't need to watch TV. Far and far less people are watching TV. And that is why you're getting you know, the likes of Netflix 
uh, more and more uh, attention, more and more users, uh, etc. Now, as you can tell, there's a lot of interest, interesting market news to talk about today. But first, let's grab a question from our anytime listener line at 888-99-CHART. Hi. First, I'd like to say thanks for the great advice. And I had a question about FedEx at this point. I was wondering uh, what your thoughts were on it. Thank you. Well, FedEx has been down in December. It was down very large the rest of the market, and it's bounced back, but not nearly to the level of what the market has done. Now, to me, this is an obvious sign that this bounce in the market is unlikely to have longer-term legs. Netflix, or not Netflix, sorry, FedEx, really started a downtrend. Let's go back to a weekly chart here. And it hit a peak in early 2017, actually uh, 2018, I'm sorry. And in December, it went from about $230 a share all the way to 160, one, high 150s, and now we're at 181. So while the market has retraced all of that move, this is what I would call a bearish wedge, a bearish wedge. So I would not be buying net FedEx here. I continue with my uh, more medium-term call that we're, we're, we're in the start of the trend towards recession. You know, the fourth quarter, we're at, what, 1.9% is the latest reading uh, from the Atlanta Fed on fourth quarter GDP. Likely, we're going to come in sub 2%. And... You know where we go in 2019 is uh, will be very interesting, but I think the downtrend in the economy has started, and so I would not be owning a name like FedEx in this market. I think this will continue on a downtrend, and it'll likely head much much lower as we head into a recession. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we are always encouraged by the positive response to Steve's offer of no-cost portfolio review consultations. Steve has set a new date for his next round of no-cost portfolio review. Uh, consultations in San Jose. Mark your calendar Wednesday, March 13th. So that's about two and a half weeks away. You'll hear more about this later, but space is limited. So if you want to get in, you can register at investtalk.com. Now I'm taking your questions live right now, 4 to 5 Pacific time at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, and it's already the last week of February. But you still want unbiased investing guidance, right? Of course you do, because it can help you achieve financial freedom. Well, Justin Klein is here now, and he's taking your calls live. So step up with your questions, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Art in Menlo Park. How you doing, Art? Good, Justin. How are you today? I'm doing well. What can I uh, can I do you for? Yeah, I was just uh, wondering about um, these class action lawsuits, like the one that's going to be um, uh, against Kraft uh, Heinz. I was just wondering if the uh, shareholders do they usually benefit from something like that? Usually so, but with most class action lawsuits, the most of the money goes to the lawyers. Yeah, that's what right. I thought. So, yeah, so uh, you know, is it good to participate? Sure, but uh, to put a lot of hope into recouping a lot of money from it, 
you know, these things tend to, just like most lawsuits, they tend to drag out many, many years, and whatever your payoff is is likely going to be uh, months, if not years, down the line. So uh, I wouldn't hold your breath, but uh, something could come out of it. Yeah, that's, I just wanted to find out if uh, the shareholders get um, anything out of these uh, types of lawsuits. Never yeah, yeah. It's like I said, it's certainly possible, but uh, you know, don't, don't, don't count on it. Let's let's just say that. Thanks for the call, Art. Now, our main talking point today is about Google and reportedly planning to launch a Netflix-like service for games. And if true, this could move could turn the 140 billion dollar gaming industry on its head and we're going to talk about that a little bit more coming up. Now, some of the other topics I have on the schedule for today. Are, let me bring this up real quick. One is markets make everyone feel stupid. You know, have you ever felt stupid making an investment? Yeah, you probably have. I know I have. If you haven't, you haven't been investing long enough, right? Whether that's buying the wrong uh, stock or, you know, just having the wrong strategy or, you know, holding too much in cash or whatever that is, the markets will make you feel stupid. So we're going to talk about why that is and whether you should react to that, right? That feeling. Remember that that's just a feeling of being stupid. Are you actually being stupid? Maybe you aren't. Maybe it's just your emotions getting to you. So we're going to talk about that. Also, there is going to be a major hearing in front of Congress by about a half a dozen big pharma reps. Merck, not reps, but CEOs, Merck, Pfizer, Santa Fe, Aventis, etc. And they're going to talk about drug pricing. And the big question is, will there be any movement? Will this, is this just grandstanding or is it actually something that will produce results? And has big pharma lost their grip on Washington? I think that'll be interesting to discuss as well because They've driven a lot of their profits through their connections um, in Washington. And then lastly, is your portfolio more internationally diversified than you realize? We're going to talk about that as well. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and I want to remind you to be here each Friday when Steve shares select experts excerpts sorry, from our KPP Premium Newsletter. The newsletter provides a roundup summary of the week that was then offers a look ahead and even puts forth some interesting stock ideas and portfolio management tips as well. You'll like it and you can subscribe at investtalk.com. I'm ready for your questions right now at 888-99-CHART. You're listening to Invest Talk. Are you doing everything possible to make sure your investments are performing as well as they should be? You can find investment strategies and unbiased guidance anytime at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open, Justin's here, and he's ready for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Eight 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 ninety nine chart eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight. Let's go to our main talking point today, and that's about Google announcing they're bringing to market a Netflix-like 
streaming game product, and they announced at the Game Developers Conference. And this was a pro. This was called Project Yeti within Google, and this adds to a service that Nvidia and Sony already offered uh, as offering streaming games, right? Because they're getting into what has already been a trend. Uh, this is one of the reasons why you know GameStop has kind of struggled for a while because the worry is that the the transition from console games and you know you buy a three hundred dollar console and then you buy fifty dollar games it's a very lucrative business. But if that now suddenly becomes a ten dollar a month streaming service or even fifteen dollars a month it's going to change the whole game, right? From Sony to Nintendo to Microsoft. Uh, and Microsoft's working on their own streaming project called Project X Cloud. Even Amazon is working on a video game streaming service. Now, Google tested this a little bit with uh, have allowing gamers to play Assassin's Creed Odyssey in their Chrome browser. So you're playing a whole game in the Chrome browser. Now they still were using uh, Xbox and PlayStation controllers, but it also shows you that Google can sell its own hardware, its own controllers to go along with it. And really this is the rise, uh, this, this is just showing how the model of Fortnite and uh, EA's Apex Legends which are very, very popular titles that are all played online, right? You can log in and uh, play Fortnite on an Xbox with people who are playing on a PlayStation 4 who are playing, uh, another one might be playing on a Nintendo Switch and another one might be playing on a browser, right? So... You don't really need one particular console to play a type of game. And this is where the industry is headed. Now, is this good for the game developers? I'm going to say it's not. Why? Because... Now, instead of a hit title bringing in billions of dollars, what is the incentive to put millions of dollars into a game when gamers are just going to switch all the time and they're only going to get a small piece of revenue kind of like they do with, uh, with Netflix? Now, Netflix pays the... the, uh, the, the production companies for access to certain titles and there's certain deals. Um, but the main point is it's going to be a an evolving industry. And where this settles is extremely hard to know. And who the leaders are going to be. And whether it's actually going to work in the near term. I think long term they'll figure it out. The technology will eventually get there. But is that technology fully available today? If you're going by Fortnite, you're going to say yes. But that's one title. Can you apply that to every title that's out there? 
But it's something you should understand. You should understand that industry is evolving and it is changing. And it's going to hurt certain players. It's going to benefit certain players. And so you're going to look at the revenues that a, a company has produced in the past or profits a company has produced in the past. And you might assume that's going to happen in the future. But the industry is changing so much, you can't do that anymore. So this is a great example of creative destruction that needs to be settled out. And it's going to be settled out over many, many years. So just a heads up on what is happening kind of in the gaming industry. Now, the program is always made better by listener calls. So here's a question that came in earlier on the 888-99 chart number. Well, Steve and Justin, my name is Carlos from Los Angeles. I have a quick question. When you're looking at charts, which indicators do you guys uh, go by? And a question for Justin about options. When you're looking at options, how do you determine which option, uh, in this case, put option? Do you see the open interest? Do you look at volume, expiration date? What do you look at in that case to decide which option do you choose in purchase? Uh, thank you so much. All right, well, first off, when it comes to indicators on the chart, we, we use MACD. Oh, I guess we got to go to a break real quick. Let me go to this quick break, and then after the break, I will get to your question about chart indicators as well as options. Give me a call. I want to hear from you. 888-99-CHART. You know what my husband and I really want? I mean, after years of working and saving and investing, we want financial freedom. Financial freedom to do and live as we want, without worry. But our old 401k plan? It's out of date. It can't truly be working for us. You're listening to someone who would benefit from a personalized portfolio review. The kind of unbiased advice and sensible investment strategies offered in a no-cost preliminary consultation by KPP Financial. Sure, we feel confident about some of our investment decisions over the years, but retirement will get here someday, and we should cover our bases now. Get a valuable second opinion on your current financial picture. And KPP Financial doesn't impose unnecessary products or services, so you can make informed decisions with your money. At KPP Financial, we offer independent thinking and shared success. Take the next step toward your financial freedom. Contact KPP Financial. KPP Financial. Okay. Learn more anytime at kppfinancial.com. You are listening to Invest Talk, the daily market news and analysis program dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. And if you've been following the market swings, you understand how important it is to have Steve and Justin's unbiased guidance. Right now, you can get your questions answered live. Call 888-99-CHART. Eight eight ninety nine chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. We have about twenty minutes left in the show, so if you're going to give us a call, do it now. Now, before the break, we had a caller ask about two things. One is our indicators that we use on charts. Well, we certainly use the MACD moving average convergent divergent line. Uh, that's very important. You got to know how to use it, but it's something we definitely use. And 
RSI relative strength index is something we, we look for and divergences, same with MACD. Uh, and then lastly, I like percent R, percent R, which kind of gives you uh, overbought short-term indicators, uh, et cetera. So those are the ones that I use. And then your question about options, how do you pick which option to buy? Well, first off, we don't tend to buy options. Uh, we only really buy options for, uh, for big, longer-term uh, bets, like a short on Tesla, for example. We also short, shorted the stock uh, as well. But we tend to buy, or not buy, we tell to sell, tend to sell options because most of the time you're going to make your money on selling options. Uh, we also have some tools that... Uh, and some software that tells us whether an option is over or undervalued, depending on you know its current implied volatility versus uh, historical implied volatility. It's complex, so I don't want to get too far into it. But basically, focus on being an option seller versus an option buyer. Let's go to Lee in San Mateo. He's looking at CTL. It was CenturyLink, correct? Yeah. Hi, How you Justin. Doing, Thank you for taking my call. I'm looking into some high dividend, uh, you know, ones for my Roth mm -hmm. account, and then CTL and VPGDX, and the last one is V, V as in Victor, Y M I. Would you recommend which one or all of them? Well, uh, you're looking at CenturyLink, right? Yes, CTL is the first okay. one I was looking into. Okay. Well, so first off, I want to start, and this is a what of one of the biggest mistakes a lot of investors make, especially those looking for income. They only focus on the dividend. So first off, the dividend should be one of the last places that you're looking when you're analyzing a company. Okay. Even if you're focused on dividends, okay, what you need to focus in on cash flows, profits, growth, balance sheet, things like that. And then when all of those boxes you feel comfortable with, then you filter based on dividends, okay, if that's your focus, right? CenturyLink, tons of debt. Falling earnings, actually negative earnings if you're looking at net income. And just a business that is overall deteriorating and a chart that is overall deteriorating. And they recently cut their dividend. You Do you, real, do you know that they cut their dividend recently? No, I didn't know that. Okay. So if you look backwards, it's going to look like they have a 16% dividend yield, correct? Uh, the one I Lee? saw had 16.9% uh, dividend. Okay, so that's looking backwards. They've cut their dividend. Going forwards, it's 7.4. Okay. That's a great. Mm -hmm. This is a perfect example of a name that you have to understand. Can they sustain their dividend? And if you look at debt levels, which are huge compared to the market cap and revenue and profits as well as how much they're paying out in relation to their earnings. Their payout ratio is negative 133%. means they don't have the earnings to support the dividend. This, thus, they cut the dividend, and they will continue to cut the dividend. So please, don't only focus on the dividend. You need to, that, that's 
That's the last place you, one of the last places you look because yes, you want a nice solid dividend, but it has to be sustainable. Now, if you're looking at something like a VYMI, which you mentioned, the international high dividend yield, well, understand that you're exposing yourself to foreign currency relation. One of the reasons why it's been in a downtrend uh, since the beginning of 2018. Remember, the, the, the domestic markets made a new high, but this did not. Why? Because the, the economies overseas are not doing nearly as well. Right then, compared to our economy, now that started to change because our economy started to weaken and became a little bit more like the rest of the world, right? And so that's why you saw this start to outperform in the near term. Uh, but longer term, you know, I think in a relative basis, it's 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 solid. But understand that you have higher than average risk, even though it's a dividend payer. Do you know why you have higher than average risk, Lee? Which uh you know, currency. Currency, there you go. Currency is, yeah, currency is uh, absolutely one of the, the biggest reasons why you're going to have higher than, than average risk. So uh, that that's that's good that you, that you recognize that. But also you're going to be lumping in in the foreign side. I don't know what percent of this ETF is in uh, emerging markets. Let me take a quick look. Mm -hmm. Greater Asia is 32%. My stuff went down real quick. Uh, yeah, so emerging markets is 16%, developed markets 83%. So you're going to have some exposure there as well. So it's going to be more volatile than the overall market. Dividend yields 4%, solid, but I don't love it. I think I can find a 4%er that's going to be less volatile, safer here domestically uh, and in you know the current uh, stocks on, on our exchanges. But if you don't want to go do that work, then this is not a bad choice. But once again, you're going to have above average volatility. So I would, I don't love either, but. Okay, got it. Why do you think of VPGDX? I think I know VPGDX. what VPGDX. Um, I don't have time for that. I think I'm going to go to the next one. This is this is a blended fund. I don't have time to go into this one uh, more. But once again, you're looking at a 14% dividend yield. That's what you're chasing. And remember, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. So I don't have the, the, the time to get into this one. But understand that 14% is unreasonable. Thanks for the call, Lee. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and I hope you are making the right choices with your money in your 401k. And candidly speaking, unless you have a lot of time to study fundamentals, trends, understand how mutual funds work, and you know what mutual funds to be in, it's very difficult to know just when to how to allocate your portfolio. And that's where Steve and I can help you at KPP Financial. We have a math-based model to guide you. We can monitor and advise, and then you take the action within your 401k plan. It's called Active 401k, and you can read more about it at investtalk.com. But now I'm taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where they describe their services as independent thinking, shared success. And Invest Talk listeners and KPP clients alike are invited to take advantage of the many products and services of KPP Financial. For example, the Invest Talk radio program and its podcast replays, the new online training experience, Invest Talk Academy, the KPP Premium newsletter distributed each Friday, and the next 
no-cost portfolio review opportunity with Steve Peasley. Yes, Steve will be returning to San Jose, California on Wednesday, March 13th to meet with InvestTalk listeners who understand the value of having a focused portfolio strategy. If you register and then make time to sit down with Steve, he can very likely show you how to maximize your investment performance. These are free consultations, but space is limited. So get started now at investtalk.com. 8899 chart, 889924278. We have uh, 15 minutes left in the show, so get your call in now. Let's talk a little bit about what it's like to be an investor. And frankly, it's hard. Right? 2018 was a year where basically every asset class except for cash was down. All the major asset classes performed poorly. And most likely you didn't do very well. Unless you were in cash all year. So you might have felt kind of stupid. But what you have to understand is how markets work and the math of markets is such that you'll feel and look stupid from time to time. Why? Because your strategy, your style will be out of favor from time to time. You know, if you're a dividend investor and rates rise, what's going to happen? Well, most dividend stocks are going to have that headwind of rising interest rates. If you love tech stocks, you love story stocks, you love growth names, momentum names, there are times where that's going to be out of favor and you're going to struggle. If you're a value investor, you're going to be left behind sometimes when the market's chasing the story stocks. And switching regimes is difficult. Switching from growth to value to income, you have to understand the economic backdrop that we're in and the liquidity backdrop that we're in. So you have to ask yourself, how comfortable are you holding positions that don't work? Maybe they don't work for a number of years. And a lot of times, just in that last moment where you, what I say, capitulate and throw in the towel on a particular strategy or a particular stock, that's often the time when that turns right around, right? Because you allowed the emotions to creep in. So that brings us to the next question is, what degree of confidence do you have in the process that you use? Right, Warren Buffett is very confident in how he invests in or the, the assets of Berkshire Hathaway. That doesn't mean that he outperforms every year, no. There's many times, like the late 90s, when tech stocks were all the rage, he didn't chase the dot-com bubble. He stuck with his blue-chip dividend payers. 
He didn't chase yield. He chased good companies at reasonable prices. And he doesn't look at his performance in the terms of quarters or even years. He looks at it in decades and understands that he has a, a process the, for deploying the capital that he has, and he has a high degree of confidence in that. And once you have that high degree of confidence in your strategy, even if it isn't working for months or quarters, even years at a time, you'll know that the cycle will turn because it always does. So you need to find your strategy, find your comfort zone, and execute on it as well as you possibly can. Let's go to Mason in Georgia. He's looking at ALB. Hi, Justin. There, Mason. Uh, looking over, yeah. looking over uh, ticker symbol Alpha Lima Bravo Albemarle. Uh, just wanted to get your uh, opinion on it. Uh, looking to invest. Uh, I like the PE ratio uh, compared to the rest of the lithium market. Uh, going forward, I also wanted to get your opinion on the the battery and lithium market moving forward. Okay. Looking at. ALB makes, makes polymer additives, catalysts, and fine chemicals for the refining uh, of consumer electronics and other markets. So it's a specialty chemical maker. So you're saying they focus on lithium? Yes, sir. Okay. And certainly lithium is being used more and more with uh, lithium-ion batteries, etc. So that's certainly uh, an area that's that's doing well. Uh, it's a, about a $10 billion market cap. Let's look at their debt levels. Very modest debt, less than a billion dollars or so, about a billion dollars. In debt, yields about 1.5%. Payout ratio is only 15%. So certainly room to go up there, especially with a, a, a modest debt level. Cash, free cash flow last quarter was negative. I don't like that. But EBITDA trailing 12 months, about a billion dollars. Their operating earnings yields about 7%. Solid, nothing spectacular. Uh, on the chart basis, it's come down from about 140, hit a low of, what was that, $70 or so, 70 and change. Now we're at 91 after this bounce. You know, I do like the, the commodity industry in general right now. I'm usually not a big fan of niche markets like this, you know, limited use markets. Now, obviously, uh, lithium's used in many in many markets and obviously a growing market. Uh, and I'm assuming, what, three days ago they had earnings? Is that what that gap up was? That's correct. They beat expectations again. I think they've done that four or five different quarters in a mm. row now. Got it. Okay. Let me take a, a look at their longer term. Revenues have decelerated about a year ago. It was growing in the 15 to 20% range. Now our last two quarters are 7 and 3%. Earnings are, are certainly slowing from uh, 20% a year ago to about 14% last quarter. Um, you know, I, I'm okay with it. I don't love it. I would give it like a 6 out of 10. Um, but I don't. I definitely don't love it. But I could see the investment thesis, and one thing I love is they don't have a lot of debt, which is probably my biggest positive. 
Thanks for the call, Mason. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. I want to hear from you. We have about 10 minutes left, so give me a call at 888 chart On the next Invest Talk, gene therapy stocks are surging on speculation of renewed M&A potential. But now, Justin Klein is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your calls. 888-99-CHART. Hey guys, this is Dan from Maryland. Uh, appreciate all you do. Wanted to get your thoughts on CarMax, symbol KMX. I've been watching it for a little while, thinking about opening up position, and wanted to hear what your thoughts. It was a good time, and I should get in. Again, thanks for all you do. All right, he's looking at CarMax, and they operate 188 used car superstores in 91 U.S. markets, with plans to open 15 stores in 2018 and 19. Well, revenues are up 5% year over year, which was a slowdown from about 10% uh, in 2017. Earnings are up 35% year over year, which is an acceleration. Now, I'm sure a lot of that has to do with the weak pricing in the used car market, so they're able to... Uh, buy cars probably at auction pretty cheap or off of uh, owners pretty cheap and sell them for a decent profit because the economy is good and uh, the, the the lending in the used car market still remains uh, pretty loose. So I would imagine that's why they're improving their profits. Uh, but the chart overall does not look good. It is very, very weak. Uh, it's making lower highs and lower lows. It hit a high mid last year in June of about uh, 82 and change. Hit a double top, a lower double top, about 81 and change in September. And with the sell-off in the uh, overall market in the fourth quarter, it sold off into the 56 level in December and we've bounced but we're still only at about 59.80 at the close today so it's been a weak bounce it's uh, made another actually lower high from its high in January uh, technically MACD is starting to cross over on the daily let's look at the weekly as well this is a name that technically it's just not looking hot at all. This looks really, really bearish, really ready to head at least to the 100-month moving averages, I think is in the low 50s, $51 a share. And, you know, if we're going into, there's some support there, but if we're going to recession, this is likely to go much, much lower. So I would not be buying CarMax at all. Uh, I just don't love it. I don't, they have a lot of debt. Uh, and going heading towards a recession, their demand for cars in general is definitely going to go lower. So I'm going to pass on CarMax. I would move on and look for something else. 888 chart 888-992-4278. We have, well, oh, actually we don't have any time left. Let's get quickly to what starts tomorrow. And what starts tomorrow is, is testimony from heads of some of the biggest pharma companies in the world, Merck, Pfizer, Santa Fe Aventis, among others. They will face members of the Senate Finance Committee tomorrow. And for years and decades, drug manufacturers in the U.S. have been able to set prices almost at will. They introduced new pharma, uh, pharmaceuticals with seven, even six-figure, sorry, five or even six-figure price tags. And they raise existing drug prices as much as 10% a year. And 
for years, lobbyists from the Pharmaceutical Research and Manufacturing of America have kept Congress at bay. They've defeated bills that would have curbed some anti-competitive practices along with importation of cheaper drugs from abroad. And they've managed to avoid negotiating with Medicare. Even during the Affordable Care Act debate. So the pharma industry lobbyists have really done a number in Congress to maintain the high prof the high prices of our drugs, which has just driven the cost of healthcare dramatically higher in a very organized and well-financed price-fighting coalition. And I think the, the years of this being allowed is gone. Uh, it's a bipartisan issue, not only uh, from the Democrats, but also the Republicans. Because, frankly, the fiscal deficit is getting out of control. It is out of control. And it's only going to get worse as baby boomers continue to retire. We're in the heart of it here. We're starting the heart of it in the next few years. And the deficit is going to skyrocket if we don't address the, the entitlements that we have, especially Medicare and pharma drugs as part of that. I'm Justin Klein, and this completes another Invest Talk program. I thank you for your loyal support and questions. Tomorrow is a new day, and you'll have lots of market questions as well. So please come back to us. Have a nice evening, everybody. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.